You're listening to the Backroom Beer League Podcast with your hosts, Jacob, Nigel, and Greg. Bringing you your fantasy sports content recorded from the back room. To stay up to date, follow us at BRBL Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And rate the podcast to show us your support. Now, here's Jacob, Nigel, and Greg to talk fantasy sports. It is 9.27 p.m. on Tuesday, May 19th at the time of recording. And of as <laughs> fuck, I'm going to have to go through that one again. <laughs> Jesus. Slurring my speech here. Corey's Light's got me drunk. Has a stroke. Drunk already. That's 4% water. <laughs> Let's try this again. It is 9.27 p.m. on Tuesday, May 19th at the time of recording. And as always, you're listening to Jacob, Nigel, and Greg on the Backroom Beer League podcast. In this week's episode, we'll be talking a little bit about our weekly fantasy picks, as always, to start off the show. The proposed NHL return format, the changes to the NFL's Rooney rule, the NFL quarantine crime spree over the weekend, and our new overheard at the water cooler segment about fantasy sports. Uh, but first, uh, like we've been doing, I'm going to start with my weekly pick. And this week, I chose to pick Ryan Mountcastle of the Baltimore Orioles. Um, my weekly picks uh, in general have been of a similar theme. I like to pick a sleeper from a sleepy team. And last week, it was Monty Harrison from the Miami Marlins. This week, it's Ryan Mountcastle on the Baltimore Orioles. And I shouldn't say Mountcastle is necessarily a, a full-scale sleeper. Uh, like last week, I didn't even know Monty Harrison from a hole in the ground, but I had a really good review of him and how he could be a really good asset to add to your fantasy baseball team. Uh, this week, Ryan Mountcastle, he's a bit more well-known. He was actually talked about a lot uh, leading up to uh, fantasy baseball seasons in the past, and uh, I'm not sure he might even went. He might even uh, have went in the first round of the MLB draft. MLB draft, sorry, <clears throat> when he was drafted. So, Mountcastle comes to the bigs as a first base weapon in Baltimore, where there's not really a whole lot of first base action going on. I know uh, Trey Mancini um, has recently been diagnosed with uh, with cancer, and he's going under uh, chemotherapy for the next few months to try and get rid of it, and he's not even really a, a, uh, a regular first baseman on the team. He's an outfielder who also plays first base. So, Needless to say, Ryan Mountcastle is actually going to come onto this team from the minors and instantly get access to the starting first base role on the team. Uh, he batted 320 in the minors, hitting 25 home runs and 83 RBIs in AAA, over 520 at bats, and he's had five seasons in the minors, which means he's primed, he's ready to go, he's ready to make the team in a big way. And uh, going through these names, like I said last week, Monty Harrison, he's on the Miami Marlins, which is a team that's really going to benefit from any kind of shortened season, any kind of adjusted format for the MLB, because it's not really going to be a team that's looking to contend. They're looking to develop their prospects, build for the future. 
and the Oreo, the Orioles are no different. Um, so Ryan Mountcastle coming to the Orioles this year, he's going to get on the team right away in my mind. And he, they, he was sent back to the minors, I think in March. Um, but I think that was just a little bit of housekeeping, uh, during the chaos of the delayed MLB season and should baseball resume, I think Mountcastle will likely have every opportunity to start first base, like I said before, and he could really quickly become a 25 home run, 275 to 280 hitter in no time. And as far as I'm concerned, first base talent uh, in the league is really kind of lacking right now. I know I have Luke Voigt on my fantasy baseball team. And as a Yankees fan, that's fine. I like Luke Voigt more than, you know, the average guy because because he's a Yankee. But, you know, I, I, I'd really like to upgrade. And if I had a Ryan Mountcastle come up this year and play – on my fantasy baseball team, if I owned him, I'd definitely start him probably over Luke Voigt because I know Luke Voigt has some injury concerns. He's got some uh, consistency issues, and there's not really a lot of uh, other options in the league that I'd, I'd be willing to consider. But taking a shot on a Ryan Mountcastle, a young gun, who's uh, going to come up this year on the Orioles and try and prove himself, I think he could do a lot this year. And uh, I hope anybody listening to this is aware of that and uh, you might take a chance on them in your in your fantasy baseball league yeah I don't know too too much about fantasy baseball I haven't played a whole lot but I definitely take a swing if we can get it back oh yeah I mean like the thing about Ryan Mountcastle is that like I said I've been I've been taking sleepers from sleepy teams all the guys that I mention usually um, with the exception of maybe one or two uh, that I would see um, coming from a, a big team. Um, they've been they've been sleepers from sleepy teams. I picked Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks. I've picked Monty Harrison from the Marlins. Ryan Mountcastle is no different. I like taking sleepers, and I think this whole um, this this whole segment is really based on sleepers because it's it's our fancy picks. Picking someone who might not be at the forefront of fantasy discussion. And uh, I think if either of you do get involved in fantasy baseball when the when the season rolls around, um, you know, first base talent is not something that's really plentiful out there, like I said. So if you pick up a first baseman late, you don't have one, Brian Mountcastle could be a good option for this year. Yeah, um, I'll hit into my fantasy uh, pick now. Uh, after two weeks of doing hockey players, I'm back into uh, back into football. Uh, my guy for this week is uh, wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons, Calvin Ridley. In 13 games last year, Calvin Ridley caught 63 passes for 866 yards, seven touchdowns with two rushes for 34. <laughs> Uh, Ridley's a guy who benefits from a very like pass happy system in Atlanta, with a uh, really good cube underrated QB and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones opposite of him to take a lot of heat off. Um, if he played sixteen games last year, you could easily see thousand yards, most likely, probably at least eight nine touchdowns. Um, there were a few games I picked Calvin Ridley up later last year. And when Julio Jones got hurt, it was like a really, really – he was really productive. He was productive before that, but he was giving me like 18, 19 points a game until his injury. But he's a guy 
Uh, he was only, this is only going to be his third year, so some people still don't really know him, still don't value him, so I, I easily expect him and his deep threat ability to be a thousand yard, eighth, twelve touchdown receiver that you could probably grab in like rounds four to six. Yeah, you know, I've said this thousands of times on the podcast. Um, number two guys on offenses can always be insanely dangerous due to like the heat not being always on them. And I mean, when you have Julio Jones, that's kind of, that's, well, he's t- like you said, he's top three, right? And uh, I'll be, I'll be excited to see um, how Austin Hooper leaving the team has an effect on the amount of targets that Ridley gets. I mean, I know they play different positions, but Hooper really was a receiving tight end. So I'll be excited to see how that affects him. Yeah, I mean, I, I read up on him a little bit when I seen him mentioned in your notes, Nige, and I, I read up on something that said he had a 15% target share from Matt Ryan in 2019, and he was able to turn that into a, tw- a top 24 fantasy season. So that right there tells you he's special, and, uh, you know, he might not be the most well-known, um, but like I said before, and I'll say it again, uh, this this segment is for sleepers and, and Calvin Ridley is a great example of that. And, uh, you know, we've talked about in, in the past, like Kenyon Drake, a lot of these guys are waiver wire guys, or, or at least they were last year. And they've kind of proven themselves in the stats that have come out at the end of last year's season and into this year that they're not going to be waiver wire guys anymore. So the more you're aware of the Calvin Ridley's of the world in, in fantasy football, the better off you're going to be for this next football, uh, fantasy football season. I think it was a blessing for Calvin Ridley to be drafted to the Falcons in general, to have the guidance and, well, essentially the protection of Julio while blossoming into an insanely talented young player. Because I think this is what what is this? He's going into his third year. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So I don't. I, I think. He's going to have a really, really, really solid career. And I agree with you, Naj. I fully think that he can become a 1,000-yard receiver this like this season. He like he had a lot of flashes, and like his injury was super shitty. But he had like he had a really nice year. He's got like a lot of deep threat potential, and he's a young guy. He can run a lot of routes, and I think he only is going to get better. Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, he's projected for um... – something like 15.8 or 16 fantasy points per game by lineups.com. So that's good. That's money. That's money right there. You could probably find fourth round or later. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll roll into, uh, to my weekly pick and I uh, ventured into the world of basketball and, uh, my weekly pick is shy Gildress Alexander, who, uh, is now a shooting guard, uh, for the Oklahoma city thunder in a, uh, a backcourt that includes Hall of Famer Chris Paul. And um, Shy is an extremely, extremely underrated player. Um, he averaged uh, this season, this past season that is currently uh, on pause, um, he was averaging 19, 3, and 6. And for a sophomore guy, that is really impressive. And I am um, 
I'm really intrigued to see how this is um how this is gonna play out for him in the next like a few years when Chris Paul's aging. Um, the one thing that I wanted to um pull focus towards is that he coming out of college he was a point guard. I, th- I believe he went to Kentucky, and um when he got traded from the Clippers to the Thunder, uh obviously he's not gonna start over Chris Paul, but um Billy Donovan was bound and determined to make this guy part of the starting lineup. So they've shifted his game into becoming a shooting guard, much, much like the Nuggets did with Jamal Murray. And um, I, I think that it's really shown his full array of talent when it comes to perimeter defense and athleticism and um, just pure score mindset. And I mean, obviously his assist numbers are down, but with that, his points numbers continue to rise. I mean, he uh, he's averaging 10 more points a game than um, this year than his rookie season, which I think is a huge jump. And it's, it's not out of the blue. I think this is going to be um, a regular occurrence for him. I think he's going to continue to be improved. I mean, the guy was in the most improved player conversation um, up until, well, a couple – weeks before the season um the season ended when you had guys like uh just the obvious ones like i mean <laughs> siakam is still up for most improved player which is kind of crazy to me because he won it the year prior but you had guys like brandon ingram who are averaging 28 points a game so i mean shy is special he's gifted i mean we if you look at him from a fantasy standpoint he definitely could be in your starting lineup. He can play at either the shooting guard or point guard position. And he's an extremely versatile perimeter defender. Uh, he averages more than one steal a game. He averages 19 points and he's just he's like he's a dog. He grinds, he, his effort is is off the charts and I don't know, I'm excited because I think he has not only a bright future for the NBA, but the uh, he holds a bright future for Canadian basketball along with guys like Andrew Wiggins and Jamal Murray. So I'm excited to see what comes from him. But he's definitely an extremely valuable piece that you could get. I mean, um, I picked him off the waiver wire in my fantasy basketball draft this year. And he's nothing but consistent. So, I mean, this year mm, – I mean, it is what it is. He's definitely already claimed in the leagues if they resume. But next year, I would not be surprised if Shy goes in the top five rounds of people's drafts because of his consistent playing style. Yeah, I mean, you said you said it, Greg. He's going to be a, the future of almost Canadian basketball. It looks like uh, going from from uh, 10.8 points per game in his rookie year and then coming up to 19.3 points per game uh, on OKC. That's a pretty huge improvement. And, uh, you know, a 10.8 on the Clippers bench, uh, there's a reason... That's impressive. Yeah, there's a reason why he's... Uh, there's a reason why OKC is one of the better fantasy basketball teams in general. I mean, it's it's players like Shai Gilgis-Alexander that have 
that have promoted them to uh, to a bit more stature. I mean, I, I was looking on um, not that I really trust Bleacher Reports articles that much. Yeah. I, I kind of find them a, a bit of a faulty news source, but they ranked. Uh, NBA teams based on their fantasy value and their players' fantasy value. And uh, OKC actually ranked higher than I thought they'd be. They're like middle of the pack, which isn't the best, but I was kind of expecting them to be down near like the Cavs, kind of down near uh, the Knicks, kind of near the bottom, but they rank 16th out of all NBA teams. And it's like, you know, players like Shy, Gilgis, Alexander that kind of prop them up and kind of said okay well yeah I, that kind of makes sense now when you look at, at Shai's stats it, it makes sense why they're at 16 on this list I can't think of a more pure point guard to team him up with than Chris Paul for him to grow that's yeah, in the league right now a great mentor yeah and uh, a great player all around mm-hmm. yeah CP3 is a solid Hall of Fame. It's always good to learn from a Hall of Famer, but CP3 is like an, one of the best to learn from right now in the league, for sure. He's kind of a picture-perfect point guard. He can yeah, just kind of be that. a dick when he wants to, apparently. Yeah, well, he's also the president of the MBPA, so, I mean, there's a reason <laughs> for both kind, of He it. can kind of be a dick when he wants to be. He has oh. the right to be a dick. I don't think he. I don't think you get power without being a dick when you have to be, or want to be. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's true in any <laughs> sport. If you're a good player, you don't really get anywhere unless you have the power to be a dick, and he just likes to use that power. So, Chris Paul I mean, just has to stop guarding Steph Curry. True. Yeah. He's just that's all he like. People that are growing up in the, like this, like I mean, like kids that were born in like 2005 watching basketball, he's just that guy who wore number three for the Clippers, Rockets, and um, Thunder that gets crossed by Curry every year. <laughs> yeah, which is sad. Pretty much. <laughs> um, to move on to the weekly rundown, uh, the first topic we're going to be talking about is the NHL discussing a playoff return. Um, the return would involve a 2014 playoff bracket would take place in two hub cities with 12 teams from each conference uh, in each hub city. And Vegas is being rumored as one of the hub cities due to its large hotel resort sector, um, being able to hold players and staff. The Oilers, uh, Edmonton making a push to be a hub city, um, but would Canada allow it? And according to NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, they've worked it down to about eight cities to juice from. I think Edmonton's in there, Vegas, uh, Toronto. I bet you um, money that both um, Orlando and Tampa Bay are in there. Carolina, uh, not Carolina, Calif- somewhere in Cali is probably in there now too, especially since California, Arizona, and um, Texas are going to allow Man, sports maybe the, in June. Maybe the Panthers Arena will finally have fans in it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the Coyotes Arena might have fans in it. Nah. If it was to be done anyway, though, this 2014 playoff bracket could be interesting. You know, See, it would be good hockey to watch. I know that. How many teams are in the NHL? Is it 30? It is 31. 31. That means the Devils are not in these. <laughs> <laughs> not that yeah. I actually, really want to see them Actually, they, if they're in the top 
twelve of the East Nides, they would be, wouldn't they? Yeah, see, Isn't that? It sounded like it was going to be just the East and the West, but like they didn't specifically say anything. I thought it was you know, the top twenty-four overall. It could be. If it is, I mean, yikes. So here's I'm not sure. here's my opinion on this, and uh, would I that mean, make sense though. If it's it, w- yeah, it would, I know. it would. Yeah, if, I it is, if it is overall, then it is. Yeah, the Canadians are the twenty fourth overall team. The Devils are See, the Devils are three points out, but you'd have to bring everybody to sixty nine, at least sixty. I think sixty eight games, sixty nine games. You have to bring everybody back to sixty eight games, so there's a shot the Devils somehow like squeak in that shithole. Yeah. So one thing that people need to realize is that if the NHL and all these professional sport leagues decide that they're going to return. It's not going to be fair for everyone. And I know that's shitty, but that's just reality at this point. And, um, you know, I'm not a fan. I understand why the 24 team thing is happening. But to me, like the Canadians being the playoffs, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Yeah, they like, do not. What? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they don't deserve it in any way, shape or form. It's yeah. this is literally being done because Artemi Panarin, Panarin isn't going to be in the playoffs. The but here's here's my thing: if you're going to do this, I don't understand why you would make it 24 just to make people happy when all you're doing is pissing off more people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, but money. realistically, if there's only seven teams that are excluded, like no offense, Nige, but. The seven teams that are excluded definitely do not deserve to be in the playoffs at all. Yeah, that's fair, but I'm with Greg. Like, if you weren't in the playoffs, then you don't deserve to be there. Like, we, I don't think we should need to extend yes. it. But I think what they're doing here with the 24 team idea is, you know, they can't really have a normal playoff set up because there's a lot of uncertainty around how they're going to finish the last remaining games in the schedule so what they're proposing here is that they do the playoff bracket a little bit differently and i think they scrap those last season like regular season games and i think that's what the whole debate about like the whole debate about uh whether new york should or shouldn't be in the playoffs was based on those last few games they had to play because they were making a real push once the season got paused. They also have like more games on teams that are already in the playoffs. So you take away some of those games and they're even in a worse standing, really. True. I don't think New York would have been a good playoff team. I hope the only reason I like extending it is because then we do technically the Devils get the Canucks uh, conditional. So we get three first rounders instead of just two. And that's fucking beautiful. Yeah, well, you I know, think the conditional picks are definitely going to have to be adjusted. It's weird. Like, it, like if they make the playoffs in this scenario, they didn't actually just make the playoffs There's regularly. There's a lot of right? kinks to be worked out. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like know this how this is in the very early stages of development, and Batman's yeah. a fucking moron. So I don't expect. Considering the draft is supposed to take place before the actual hockey resumes, like we said before, it's. It's definitely sketchy. You know, the one thing that I'd be excited to see is that 1v24 matchup with the Habs and the Bruins. Oh! <laughs> you fucking slaughter. Oh, no, it'd be like 6 nothing every game. It'd but be like, like it would just shut. Through. Mowing through an Urkai horde. Just 
They'd be the two most obnoxious hockey fan bases. Just oh, I gotta get the Leafs in there. Pitching. Oh no, they're delusional. They're not. The Leafs are the Cowboys <laughs> of the AI and a NHL. Changed my mind. <laughs> who would who would the Leafs be getting beat by? Let me check this. <laughs> I love how we all just have a clown <laughs> you know, on the Leafs. I think they'd be play- oh they'd lose the the Jackets would wipe the goddamn floor with them. See, the Jackets are a weird team. They shouldn't be no, as good they, as they, they are. Oh, no, they shouldn't but be, but they the are. Jacket, if you look at the Jackets' stats uh, in their their win loss record, a lot of games they lost were overtime losses. Their coaching is fucking superb. In fact, I'm pretty sure they had the most overtime losses out of anyone in the NHL by Can, far this year. Considering you know they lost Panarin and like they lost a lot of key pieces and had a lot of injuries. The fact that that team before. Team's- before the pause in the season, the Columbus Blue Jackets had 15 overtime losses. Jesus. Yeah, so that tells you all you need to know about their luck rather than their actual skill because the next uh, the next uh, number on that list is 12. Boston has 12 overtime losses, uh, and New Jersey has 12 overtime losses, and yeah. Ottawa has 12 overtime losses. But 15 is astronomically high, I think. All of New Jersey's get a bad run of luck. OT losses are games that shouldn't have been in an OT because Mackenzie Blackwood fucking saves our asses for nothing. Yeah. So if you turn like even four or five of those into actual wins, they're in a lot better standing. It's nuts. They have another a good question. in Elvis Merzlikens, too. Another question that I would hold the NHL to, um, how do you decide your award winners? Do you go with how the season ended? I assume. Yeah. Um, I think uh, there hasn't really been a lot of talk on award winners because I know at least um, – uh, like congrats, what was it? The other Dreisaitl. night, yeah, pretty. Like, like, um, Valevsky there out of Tampa is gonna win the um, shit. Why can I not remember the trophy that goalies get? The Vesna. The Vesna. I I think I hope Kale McCarr wins the. Um, oh, I don't think there's Alder. a discussion. Nah, Quinn Hughes is like Quinn Hughes has less points though. I think Kale McCarr deserves it, but. I do too. Um, I, yeah, there's been no real discussion with the actual players on that right now because I think they're having to figure this out while they do the playoff thing. Because on a stream the other night on Spit and Chicklets, is uh, uh, they have like a a Chell tournament with a bunch of NHL players. Like John Carlson said, he hasn't been contacted by the NHL, and I'm not sure if that's just John Carlson saying that, but a lot of thing like Carlson was supposed to be like the Norris winner this year yeah. in a lot of people's eyes. And right now it's kind of up in the air whether it'll be awarded to him or not. So I'm not sure if he's just saying he hasn't been contacted by the NHL about the awards or if he really just hasn't been contacted because they don't know what the hell to do. It's I think they'll if anything, they'll probably just cut off the rest of the regular season games go with the 2014 bracket, give the awards as they were uh, when the regular season ended and move on from there. How they're <laughs> going to do the uh, 
draft picks like you were talking about, Nige, the ones that are dependent on people or, well, teams making the playoffs, that's a bit of a gray area. Moving on to our uh, next topic, uh, the NFL is making a new Rooney rule. um, And under the current Rooney rule, named after former Steelers owner Dan Rooney, it requires NFL teams to interview at least one minority candidate for a coaching or senior football position like owner, GM position before making a hire. The goal of this rule was to ensure visible minorities were getting the same opportunities for higher positions, um, but it hasn't really worked. The new rule will make teams interview two or more minority candidates for a head coach position and one for any coordinator job. But some people think this is reverse racism at work, um, making even more uh, interviews mandatory for these positions to um, minority candidates. A lot of people think it's not the right decision. And I just want to get some feedback from both of you on what you think this Rooney rule will do uh, going forward for the NFL. Nothing. The original Rooney rule has done nothing. The NFL, like, you can claim everybody, like, their argument is why don't people hire the best candidate available? Well, it's clearly obvious that the best candidate available has to be white. Like, uh, examples, Jim Caldwell with the Lions, one of the only coaches in Lions history to have a winning record off a 9-7 and playoff berth, fired from Matt Patricia. No logical reason to do it. Uh, the Chiefs' current offensive coordinator, um, who just came off a Super Bowl win, interviewed for seven head coaching spots, was not hired over a guys like Joe Judge, a wide receiver and special teams coach. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just... There's something needs to be done, but the Rooney rule, like, it's better than the pro- proposed moving up draft picks because then it was just going to be pity hire, and that would have been fucking awful. Yeah. This isn't so, the right thing, but something needs to be done at least. Yes. I don't personally I I don't understand how this betters anybody. And I I really don't think it does. Um if you're providing people with interviews for for head coaching jobs knowing damn well that the, you're not going to give the job to them, I I don't think that's fair. I I wouldn't appreciate it if it were me. I mean, it, it 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 seems as if this is just all coming out of Goodell trying his damnedest to um, protect the shitty moves the NFL has made in the past, and and, and it annoys me in the sense that, like, of, of course, like, of course, I think that minorities should be given the equal chance to uh, to um, be hired uh, in front office or coaching roles or things of that like but to be interviewed solely because of your race doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me i mean i like brian flores got the job in miami because he was the best person for the job right and and i think that's great but I don't think, and I think this is just like such a, it's so, it's so obviously a desperate attempt by the NFL to, to, oh God, what's the, uh, to, to make themselves look good in the public eye. I, I just, 
I don't think it's going to do anything. It's definitely a public relations move. It's, it's not going to do anything. Relations. Like, you can see oh, like, the reasoning behind the rule, but when it didn't work the first time, adding another candidate isn't going to make it work. Like, teams like the Cowboys literally just brought in Marvin Lewis for an interview to, just to get it out of the way. They had no intention of hiring him. Just got it out of the not, way. And that's not, that's not fair to Marvin Lewis. <laughs> do you know Something what I mean? Like, it's it's a shit show, and like everybody knows, like most human beings know, it's a problem. But there's nothing yeah. like the way they're going about it isn't right either. So it, well, here, I, I think that the the problem with the NFL, like this this Rooney Rule, um, and the proposed changes to it, making sure that two or more mini- minority candidates are are considered. Like you just have to put yourself in the shoes of those candidates uh, for for a head coach position, and say if you were someone of a minority uh, background and you were called in for a head coach position interview, you would pretty much be thinking from the time you entered the room for the interview from to the time you left that. I am only here because I need to be here for him to check off a box. Which is more There's, demeaning than not having an interview yeah, at all. It's more demeaning than not being called to the interview at all. So what I don't understand here, and I know it's hard to fix this problem because you're not going to change actual, like, you're not going to change the traditions or the uh, you know tendencies of owners and GMs or or what what have you in the NH in the NFL rather. Um, I just don't understand why they change it if it's already blatantly bad. See, here's one of the main issues that like I, I've been thinking about this a little bit. Um, I I like don't get me wrong. I fully understand why the NFL did it. I think it's stupid and I don't think it's going to work. Um, cause I don't think it's going to do or affect anything. It's so Nige, you use the example of, um, of the Cowboys bringing in, uh, Marvin Lewis, right. To, um, to basically have an interview for their head coaching job. So same like Marvin Lewis was jobless. He was unemployed. Um, the Cowboys reach out to him. And one other team reaches out to him for a head coaching interview because he was a previous head coach of a team in the in uh, previous years, and uh, it would look good to the public and the league if it, that if it was him. And the thing is, what knowing that he had no shot at the head coaching job, knowing that he had no chance. What if there are offensive or defensive coordinator positions that are open that Lewis could be interviewing for that he actually had a shot with, but he couldn't because he was interviewing for these head coaching jobs because of his credible name? I feel like does that take away opportunity for him? Like like genuine opportunity? It's such a like it's the only thing in this. Uh, the owners voted on this today. Um, the only good thing that's coming out of this edition of the new Rooney Rule is this has not. This isn't even to do with minorities. It's teams can no longer block their assistant coaches from interviewing for coordinator positions with other teams. 
Mm. They used to be able to like say like uh, the the language of it was uh, from the end of the regular season through March first, uh, teams will be disallowed from blocking assistant coaches from interviewing for other teams for bona fide coordinator positions, meaning like genuine and real coordinator positions that they were likely to get. Teams could block their coaches from being interviewed. And that's yeah, no that longer is, allowed. That's not that fair. is that has nothing that's to do good, with. That's a right. That's a, that's one of the good moves of this. But it's yeah. usually the only. Yeah, yeah it that, literally that, has nothing to do with the, to the actual like yeah. Rooney rule that we're talking about. Like it's mm. it's it's the only good thing to come out of it, and yet it's has nothing to the, do with the actual problem here at hand. Really it's so it's messed up. Thing that hasn't been voted on yet is the idea that you could move up 10 spots in the third, fourth or fifth, as well as game comp picks for hiring minority coaches. Yeah. I was, I was, I was leaving this for the end of the discussion. Uh, I, I specifically left it out when I was going through it, uh, allowing teams to move up 10 spots in the third, fourth or fifth rounds, as well as gain con- compensatory picks in these rounds by hiring and keeping minority coaches or members of senior football positions. I hate that. that oh my God. That is literally uh, an incentive to check off a box to get better and draft picks. Yeah, it's awful. It's a <laughs> physical incentive. It's it's uh, pretty much a currency. You're getting paid almost to keep minority coaches or members of senior football positions on the team, just for the fact that you can move up spots in the third, fourth, fifth round, gain compensatory picks. That is just so dirty. wrong. It's 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 gross. <laughs> it's really gross, and, and it's. I think it's just one of these things that separates the NFL from all other sport leagues. It's the only sport league that would even think about doing this in my mind, and I think it's really disgusting. You want to know how you show people that you're accepting? You allow Kaepernick to come back. You allow, you, like you do, you do things like that. You don't make bullshit rules like this. The Kaepernick situation is a shit show, though. Like his whole tryout thing went. But south. it could be solved, though. I mean, if we, if I'm being honest, I don't really like Colin Kaepernick that much because I think I I appreciate his cause and I appreciate his concern for the rights of of uh, minorities in the NFL and stuff. But I think he does make a lot of unnecessary noise surrounding his campaign and surrounding his proposed return this past season to the NFL. It's it's a lot. It's really unnecessary, I think. But it could be resolved. There is something it there that the been, NFL it, could. It shouldn't have been handled the way that it was initially, right off the you hop. Don't, you don't decline like cancel a tryout and then have go to the media and say if owners and Roger Goodell would stop being scared and get me in the league like that's not exactly. how you get a job exactly it's their, uh, you have to play by their rules and their sandbox there's, there's problems with his argument but the NFL if it wanted to resolve it tomorrow could extend an olive branch and say come back we want to do this for you and make us look good it's it's solvable. It's definitely a, a resolvable situation. It is. I don't think he'll get a position. He hasn't. It's been so long since he played. It's a mess. Yeah, it's been a long time. He if also, they had it done it last year, it would have been. 
it would have been fine, but any longer you wait, it's just it makes no sense. He's kind of buried himself. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after all, like I said, like you were talking about the uh, the the practice, um, the the, the practice, that, that he yeah, the tryout thing that he he scheduled canceled. Then went to the media crying, saying, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Like it just it doesn't make sense for him to do I that when he wants were to. Saying that like the tryout wasn't one hundred percent fair, but you if you're gonna go play for the NFL, you gotta go by. If their he wants rules. to play football, if you really wanted to play football, like he'd have gone to that first tryout. He would have went to the first tryout. Yeah. Um, and moving on to another topic related to the NFL. <laughs> uh, over the past weekend, the NFL has pretty much turned into an episode of, well, actually, it's, it's, it's turned into Grand Theft Auto. It's turned into <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. And uh, NHL, <laughs> NHL, NFL cornerbacks Quinton Dunbar of the Seattle Seahawks and DeAndre Baker of the New York Giants had arrest warrants put out for armed robbery in Florida on Thursday, May 14th, and both have turned themselves in. And then <laughs> after that, I believe, uh, Washington Redskins uh, wide receiver Cody Latimer are, was arrested on five charges, including assault in the second degree, menacing, illegal discharge of a firearm, and two misdemeanors. And Let then Ed Oliver arrested in Houston for driving drunk and illegally carrying a handgun. I just don't understand before we start any any conversation about this. If you see one report of someone getting arrested in the NFL, what possesses you to do illegal things in the same weekend? Well, Dunbar and Dion, apparently Dunbar has like a, they've. I know Dunbar has been released on bail. I don't know about De, uh, Deonre Baker, and apparently his yeah. attorney has witness reports that he was away from the scene when it happened and all this. See, this is a big deal because Ray Lewis killed people. And got, yeah. Marvin Harrison literally <laughs> shot a guy and got nothing. Ray Lewis possibly committed murder. Possibly, Marvin, that's funny. I mean, when you he have a lawyer, Marvin like, Harrison by your NFL team, but Marvin Harrison literally shot a dude and was like, "Hey, game day Sunday." <laughs> it's literally like a common sense thing, though. The it's Ed like Oliver one was hilarious. If I see an alert on my phone or on Twitter saying Quentin Dunbar of the Seattle Seahawks and DeAndre Baker of the New York Giants have arrest warrants put out for them. I'm like, holy Listen, shit, maybe I shouldn't do something illegal this weekend and get myself arrested. They find but no. it to be locked down corners. They're just going to do it in prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the, the Ed Oliver one was so Talk about man coverage. God damn. Because like, there's video <laughs> and this guy, you can tell he's hammered. His truck is <laughs> down the road fucking swerving back and forth and when he gets pulled over this man is slurring his words I like, I like your truck sound effect <laughs> I, like, I like how I like how the truck's going back and forth not side to side but he's putting the brakes on the reverse <laughs> if, if you can find the video it's, it's fucking it's fucking gold man here's my Oh my god! the The first one, the two robberies, dude. You're making over a million dollars a year. Robbery. The funniest pull, part like, about this: pull is your head out of your ass. What are you it was, robbing? It was at like a poker game or a card game, and they robbed dudes' watches. And it came out that uh, one of the dudes' watches god. was fake, and it was only worth six hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so one of these dudes now has to like, what? What do you think is more embarrassing: getting robbed or having to admit that you had a fake watch to these guys? <laughs> 
Honestly, like, like, what are you, like, what are you doing that for? You have a, you're a millionaire. You, you, like, I just, oh my lord. The Ed Oliver one, like, pull your head out of your ass. You have a promising future. Stop being a little arsehole. The, 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 the armed robbery, you're millionaires. Pull your head out of your ass. I don't yeah. understand. I don't, like, that's just the dumbest goddamn thing I've ever heard. I and had, then, yeah. Cody Latimer, he sucks ass. He can't catch I a goddamn goal. Fuck that guy. Was, so I don't care. I found out he shot a gun in his fucking apartment. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, even if you're on a minimum contract in the NFL, you're making why you're the hell would you be robbing someone. <laughs> you're set for what life. That was the point. <laughs> you ain't got to like it because a hood going low. <laughs> <laughs> no, the best part was that morning, Quentin Dunbar was on like a Seattle Seahawks like thing talking about how he holds his character. And it's like, you fucking are wanted for armed robbery in like, the state of Florida. I, I understand. I'm speaking from a pretty privileged viewpoint, but it, it doesn't take a lot for me to restrain myself from committing armed robbery. You know, I don't think I've ever made more than $9,000 in a year. And I've ever thought, I want to rob someone. Listen, listen. <laughs> I get signed to an NFL team. I'm a cornerback. You know what? I just got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars at least, maybe even millions. The thing I'm going to do to take my career into my own hands is rob somebody at gunpoint for a fake watch. They walk. both have like nine mil guaranteed. The next section we're going to go to is the overheard at the water cooler section. And we're not going to do our hot takes or uh, debate topic this week. Uh, this is a section, uh, a segment that we thought up um, for do's and don'ts of fantasy sports. So what each of us are going to do, we're going to give a do and a don't for fantasy sports. And then we're going to kind of uh, unpack them a little bit before we wrap up the show. So my do's and don'ts, um, a do for fantasy sports is invest the necessary time in fantasy sports for both you and the other people involved. I know this past football, uh, fantasy football season, we had a certain member who might not have been the most involved person by um, the final weeks. And he pretty much wanted to give his, his whole team away. Um, don't do that. That is not a, 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 a valid thing to do in a fantasy football league, especially when uh, other people are trying to win. It's not a, a valid thing to do in any fantasy league. And my don't is don't underprepare for a draft. If you pay money for an, uh, a fantasy football league, baseball league, basketball, whatever it may be, play for it. The draft is key in gaining a foothold over other GMs, and skimping here is only going to shorten your season overall. My do is take risks, like, and that's not even just not just in the draft, but in general, like, way in life. Trades. <laughs> Fuck off. Okay? Live your life to your <laughs> But nobody, nobody wins their league because they, you know, picked the safe pick every round, or you know. May got the guy, the safe guy off the waiver wire. Like, I'll put an example from my league last year. I took a fat risk in taking Ryan Tannehill, and if it wasn't for Ryan Tannehill late in the game, I would not have made the playoffs. I don't think. I took a fat risk taking Le'Veon Bell at the eighth pick. That did me a whole lot of good. <laughs> uh, and my don't is uh, trade or cut a player after one bad week. Everybody has, like, an off week is bound to happen, but some people are like, oh, you know, um, 
Juan Soto had off weeks in fantasy baseball, and they didn't cut that you guy. Know, oh, my God. Derrick <laughs> Henry only got me 15 fantasy points. I need to trade him because he normally gets me 20. Like, you know, everybody's going to have an amazing week. You I agree. This is a really good point, Nige. But I will admit that I, I do this a lot. Um, because I have an extremely bad temper and I grow an emotional attachment to this. And if I pick some guy up late as hell in the draft or on the waiver wire and I have a big game and he gets me one and a half fucking points, his ass is on the curb. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) But I, I know what you mean. Like I literally did this this year. Like I can't, Oh God, who was it? I don't know. All I know is that Diggy picked him up and he averaged twenty something points a game. So we, we're living. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know, trading and cutting players. Like sometimes, if you can see a downtrend coming, do it. But if it's just one bad late week, fuck it, keep them. Yeah, I you mean, know, one it, one bad week shouldn't define a fantasy player. You know, Nigel, you uh, your player of the week was Calvin Ridley, and I'm going to use him as, as an example. Because um, I'd keep an eye on Calvin Ridley, and like one week he would have like two points, and then the next he'd have 26, and then he'd have four, and then he'd have 21. So, um, well, I think yeah, that wraps he, in well. Well, Diggy, the guy who won our league, ended up cutting Calvin Ridley, and I picked him up. Out and of the he played well for you. He did until his injury, but before yeah. that, he was doing really yeah. well. Um, my do's and don'ts for fantasy sports. Um, do prepare for the later rounds of your draft, everyone, because this is where the season's won. Oh, I feel like I'm rapping. Prepare for your later <laughs> rounds. Um, I, I, <laughs> um, another thing with this preparing, with your late round picks, people often like um, they often decide that if it's between one of these, like if they're trying to decide they're picking the eighth round between these two dudes and they space their pick solely on like stats in a previous season. They never look at intangibles or um, teammates or systems or anything like that. Um, so I, I, I um, like trusting your gut in that sense in the later rounds will work really, really well for you. Like I know I drafted Mark Andrews hella late in our draft, like super yeah. late in our draft. <laughs> And there were tight ends that had that number. Their numbers were far more impressive, but I knew what Greg Roman was going to run. Like it wasn't a surprise to anyone. And I was like, "Oh wow, he's going to be running like two, three tight ends. Let's pick up a Baltimore tight end, see if it works." And the guy was like top three tight end in the league. So like that's that's just an example. Um, for my don't, don't be a goddamn homer, Patriots fans. Um, I. Uh, I, I think other teams in your league will be thankful that you're doing this because it's not going to go well for you. Um, most of the time, unless you're, you're having this this team with the offensive potency of like the Chiefs or potentially the Buccaneers this year, as much as I don't think it's true, um, it, if you're sticking with one team, you you fly high or you sink, and um, that's not the risk that you want to take and selecting people that play for your team isn't going to be the way to go. I mean, look at Jake for Christ's sakes. Trubisky is your starting quarterback. 
Yeah, baby. <laughs> I still fucking lost. Don't be a homer. Don't be a homer. I love homers, though. Like, I love playing against homers because they're like, oh, I'll draft all. Because you, like, cause you I, win. That's right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I had a guy in my league in high school draft a bunch of Steelers players, and I was like, you realize they have the same bye week, right? And he's like, huh? <laughs> well, I think a lot of people that are new NFL to fantasy AD. sports, a lot of people that are new to fantasy sports might think that, hey, Tom Brady is probably one of the greatest quarterbacks in this league. I should pick him up. And not only do they do that, but they'll pick a quarterback like Tom Brady way before anybody else in the league would ever pick a quarterback, especially like. Yeah, in like a PPR league, um, you know, if you take a quarterback in like, you know, the third round, you're kind of screwed because they don't they all get around the same point. Yeah. And taking a quarterback like Tom Brady, who's aging, who's, you know, all these factors that are dragging down on his game now uh, as he approaches the end of his career, just because he's on your favorite team or was in the case of New England, or maybe he's on the Bucks and he's your favorite team now. Um you know, Tom Brady might not be the smartest pick, uh, even though he's one of your favorite NFL players. Um, it's, a, it's the same thing in any sport. If you pick, you know, uh, Martin Brodeur, sorry to say this, Nides, but Martin Brodeur, when he was in fantasy sports, when he was still playing, when he was on the Devils, in the later stages of his career, if you picked Martin Brodeur, you're probably not going to get a lot of saves. Except unless you're it probably... was 2012 Brodeur. <laughs> Who gives a legend. shit about 2012 Brodeur, Nige? Uh, if you picked him in his final season, he's not going to get you a yeah, lot of points. he played three games he's for the Swiss Blues cheese. and fucked off. Swiss cheese. <laughs> <laughs> listen, goat. Don't you listen me. Martin <laughs> Brodeur was in his prime in 2000. 2000. That's 20 years ago now. 2008. That man's prime faded in like 2010. Oh, I'm going to have a stroke. I'm going to have a stroke. God, you cannot. Please move on before I drive my ass to the Valley Nova Scotia and strangle some (laughs) ginger kid. (laughs) Craig is off. Craig is being threatening tonight. Nice. If you're saying that, then that means Martin Brodeur had a 20 year. From the early 1990s to 2010. Jake, did you know that Joe Montana's prime ended in 2006? Yes. I <laughs> did know that. <laughs> listen, listen. Alone. If we if we could just somehow have a theoretical fantasy league where Mark Jambroder was an option. In in his later <laughs> career days, I mean, I'd love to be in a in a league with Nods if he'd pick him. <laughs> Listen, my league, I'm, I'm, I don't had, pick him. I would have had Zach Parise, Travis Ajak, Patrick Elliott. <laughs> oh God, you can't tell Dinus me Dinus Zubris. Dinus Zubris. You would have had you would have had Minnesota Zach Parise, wouldn't you, Nods? No, I hate Zach. Par- <laughs> Zach Parise is uh, like a distant uh, memory. Jamie Langenbrunner. <laughs> David, oh, hey, no, I'd have that one year David Clarkson played like a goddamn beauty and then robbed the fucking Maple Leafs from everything they owned. Nigel would be out here picking like New York Rangers Marion Gabrick. 
<laughs> by the way he's talking <laughs> or where, where did Marion Hosa end up in his last days oh Chicago? don't even get me going Hosa, oh, I, hate that, dude. I remember when Hosa pulled the reverse KD he lost with Pittsburgh and then went to Detroit to lose <laughs> yeah, I hate that son of a bitch so much, man. I hate him. Oh my god, I hate him. I'll pick. Uh, I'll pick. Uh, you know, I'll pick Johnny Oduya, Devils legend, because he got Johnny traded for Ilya Kovalchuk. Mike Rupp. <laughs> Mike Rupp, Devils stud. Sammy Vaughtman. <laughs> Adam Oates. Ooh. <laughs> Jesus. PK Subban, Devils legend. Oh God! Trade I shouldn't even hear about him. Most. He was a uh, he was the pillar of a shitty Washington Capitals team before anything worthwhile got on there. So Listen, shout out Adam Oates. The Devils haven't had anything worthwhile since 2012, and it hurts. Mackenzie Black. Yes, is we have only- come to this conclusion many a time. <laughs> many <laughs> a time. I'm gonna be honest. Like every week. Yeah, because it's like. Every week I look at myself and I realize what the fuck have I done with my life. It's just silence and <laughs> I then just hear Nige. Man, you know Mackenzie Blackwood's next up. Okay, you can't tell me Blackwood's not good though. <laughs> look at him getting oh, offended. God. Oh shit. Big Mac's God. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's still going. He's Corey, still Snyder. going. So you oh, didn't have to put up a Greg, you're a Penguins fan. You haven't had to put up with anything bad. Yeah, I know, boy. You've had like two of the greatest. <laughs> you, like you literally, you had went from Mario Lemieux to like Sidney Crosby. I know. Oh, I love how Greg's response I went from was, Yeah, I know, to Corey Schneider and Louis Deming. <laughs> yeah, we don't drum oh. those bum ass motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. It's the luck of the draw. You picked a shitty team in the midst of the 2010s, Nige. I'm sorry. I picked a shitty team before the 2010s. Bro, <laughs> I named my cat after Sidney Crosby in 2005. Hey, my neighbor's <laughs> name is Dog Crosby. That's I bet he's a back. fucking beauty. He's dead. Oh, God. I. I. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great spot. To cap the episode off right here. I'm going to do the honor before this goes way down the line, way out of control. You can cut a lot of this. <laughs> I'm not going to cut any of it. Actually, it's good content. No, we, the people will love it. It's like, it's like Greg's Tiger King. Right Anyone now. except Devils fans will love it. We don't love anything anymore. I still haven't listened to the Tiger King episode. I'm nervous. <laughs> oh my god. He's nervous. That wraps things up here. Uh, follow our social media at BRBL Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And subscribe to the Backroom Beer League YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, everyone.